Coming up, real estate investing and building my favorite real estate investing CRM, Resimply, right after this. Welcome to the Military Millionaire Podcast, where we teach service members, veterans, and their families how to build wealth through personal finance, entrepreneurship, and real estate investing. I'm your host, David Perret, and together with my co-host, Alex Felice, we're here to be your no BS guides along the most important mission you'll ever embark on, your finances. If you're new here, we help service members and veterans achieve financial freedom through real estate investing, entrepreneurship, and personal finance. And if you're willing to take it to the next level or wanting to take it to the next level, we also have a mastermind called The War Room that you should absolutely check out. Now, today's episode is with Sherrod Mehta, the founder and CEO of Resimply, which is my personal favorite real estate investing CRM. And he is building this out as an all-in-one solution for tech for real estate investors, but he doesn't just talk the talk as Sherrod has successfully completed over 750 deals in the past decade and owns 50 rental properties, 90% of which are free and clear. And he manages his entire operation virtually with a small team using his CRM Resimply. And this is going to be a lot of fun because I really like this platform. So in this episode, we're going to cover his real estate investing, his building of the software company, what prompted the building, lessons learned, and why you should use it. So definitely make sure you listen all the way through and enjoy the show. Hey, Sherrod, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, David. Thank you for having me, man. Super excited to be here talking to you. Absolutely. You know, I'm a big fan of your uh, your CRM, your software that you've developed. So I look forward to digging into a lot of this. Um, before we kind of go back and tell backstory, I'm, I'm really just curious because I know that you are a fairly large scale real estate investor and obviously run what I believe to be one of the best CRMs out there. Um, were you a software developer or a real estate investor first? Only real estate investor. Never been a software developer. Still, oh. I'm not. Never planned oh, to be. Oh, sorry. No, well, no, in that case, good, uh, what, what am I messing up on the terminology there? Uh, I used to be an accountant. Yeah, I used to be an accountant. I just I moved from Chicago to Carlsbad 2015. I had 40, 50 flips that I was doing a year. So I started looking at software that I would need. And being an accountant, I wanted something, you know, with strong data tracking KPI. And Podio is pretty much Every, what everyone was using back then, I didn't. I didn't like it. I just hated the way it looked, the way it functioned. So I decided to hire a couple of developers and just help them, you know, uh, create something for myself. And that kind of grew into what it is now. Okay, so just full on yeah. entrepreneur side of it then, and and real estate investor first. And I like that. Uh, and yeah. I think that's a that's probably why your software or your system is so good and why so many real estate investors like it is that you built it with the premise of, I, I want this for my own business. <laughs> I want to make my yeah. life easier. Yeah, absolutely. I'm still to this day. Everyone on my team is on Resimply. We don't use any other platform. That was the intention from day one when I started uh, with the idea of Resimply. Yes something where everyone on my team could be on one platform. That's exactly what we're doing. And, uh, you know, thousands of other companies across, uh, across the country are doing the same thing. Beautiful. I love it. Uh, and so for the listeners, I know you just recently moved back to Carlsbad, California, where, what, uh, markets are you actively investing in? Sorry, David, you, your voice cut out there. 
No, no worries. Uh, I just asked what markets you're currently investing in while living in Carlsbad. Uh, just in Northwest Indiana. So I used to live in Chicago. So I invest in Indiana, which is like Northwest Indiana, which is about 30 to 45 minutes drive from downtown Chicago. That's where I, that's the only market that I've only invested in. I've done some other deals here and there um, with other investors in other market, but Northwest Indiana is like 99% of what I've done is in Northwest Indiana. Easy. I like it. And obviously you've got systems in place, so you're able to continue rocking and rolling there from a distance. When I first found Resimply, um, it was actually, it was through our, our mutual friend, Ryan Dossie. I was, uh, nice. I was in CCF. I was learning how to invest with him. Um, decided to use his CRM and I had kind of putzed around with Podio and there was another, uh, I, I don't even remember the name of the other one that I had messed around with. You know, Podio took, for it to be good, it had to be, you had to customize so much right. and that just wasn't my thing. I'm not a, I'm not inclined that way at all. And so, you know, he introduced me to Resimply and I was like, wow, this is intuitive. It's simple. It's uh, got all the features I need. And, um, you know, I, I fell in love, right? I, I still, uh, not as active of a off market investor right now. Uh, but the team that I have kind of partnered with, on that realm that's exactly they basically took over okay. my existing crm and they're using recently and we love it so thank you man um can you give us a little bit of the backstory how did you go from i mean you went from you were an accountant background you got into real estate investing can you walk us through kind of how that journey like what what got you into real estate in the first place yeah man so i was an accountant so i've always been a lot into personal finance read all the books um you know, Susie Orman, Dave Ramsey, everything that they wrote, you know, used to follow them. And then I started looking at, you know, financial freedom. And I realized, you know, the job that I had, it's great. I was making decent money, but it wasn't going to get me to the goal that I, you know, wanted, like financial freedom, you know, freedom of time and money. So I started looking at, okay, what could I do that it's going to help me make a lot of money pretty quickly, you know, rather than getting like five, seven percent pay raise. So no jokes, uh, at one point I wanted to be a full-time poker player and I absolutely sucked at it. My, I, I have a horrible, horrible po uh, poker fail. If I have pocket aces or you would know, you would know if you think <laughs> poker against me that I have pretty good hand. Uh, that's how bad I am. Um, and uh, I'm like, yeah, okay, so this is not gonna, this is not gonna work out for me. And yeah. then I, um, then I looked into stocks, bonds, um, just I don't have the nerve for the daily market going up and down. So I'm like, yeah, no, this just made me too anxious putting money in stock market and watching it you know, go up or down. Then I used to follow a lot of personal finance and I was reading a blog and I was reading the comment section of the blog. That's where all the fun is. Someone had mentioned about a book called um, Millionaire Real Estate Investor. So I'm like, oh, that's exactly what I want to be, you know, millionaire. And I'm like, all right, if I do that through real estate, that's not too bad. So I started looking more into it. And it seems like 80% of the people that become millionaire become through real estate. So I started digging more into it, um, you know, and then started Googling a lot of things and bigger pockets kept coming up, you know, similar to kind of your story. So became more active on bigger pockets, bought my first duplex in august 2010 bought another one in september 2000 
then a month later, I'm like, oh, this is amazing. You know, the first property I bought was, I think I paid like about 20, 25,000. I was all in for about 35, two unit property. I was getting $1,300 a month in rent. Like, wow, it's amazing if I have like five, six of these and I manage them well, it could replace my full-time income. Then I decided to leave my job in March, 2011. And I thought this is like once in a lifetime opportunity. If I go full speed ahead, you know, the upside is really, really high. The downside is worst case, I lose everything. You know, I tried for a year or two. I could always go back and find a job, you know, being an accountant. So that was the decision. Then I started kind of buying rental properties. And I was very, because I was following Dave Ramsey, so I was very aggressive about paying them off pretty quickly. So the first couple of properties I bought, I had money saved up. I used my own money. After I ran out, I borrowed money from friends, family, but I was very intentional about, you know, the loan kind of loans that I had. So I would do seven year amortization with two year balloon. So I was forced to pay the money, you know, as quickly as possible. So I kind of grew from there. Then 2012 through 14, I connected with a company based in Australia. They were helping Australian investors buy properties in US because of the exchange of the Australian dollar was very strong against the US dollar. So I was wholesaling a lot of properties to them. And then from there, all the money that I had, I just kept investing in more rental properties. And then 2015, my wife, she got a job in Carlsbad. So we moved to Carlsbad. I still had these you know, flips that I was doing. And that's kind of where I started looking at a software that I could use in my own business. So how many, um, how many rental properties do you, or, or units or however you want to quantify it, uh, do you have right now? 50 and I'd say 90% of them are paid full free and clear. Yeah. And then, yeah, so that was, that was the goal from beginning was, I don't want to have, I, th- I think it was also influenced by the time that I was, you know, uh, because of the time that I was investing 2010 and all the, you know, market crash that had happened was because people were over leveraged. So I think that had a big influence on my decision to, you know, be on these properties free and clear. And then I was very mindful, you know, um, diligent about paying them off. Even the loans that I have on a couple of properties, about five units combined, it's like, less than 60, 70,000. So I'll probably pay them off next year and just have hundred percent free and clear portfolio. And yeah, talk about peace of mind and and how to actually maximize your cash flow. I've got, uh, you know, when I first started, I didn't have a whole lot of cash. In fact, I had like a negative net worth. I didn't have a whole lot of uh, income. I was active duty enlisted, you know, Marine Corps. and so I was leveraging, 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 and that was great. And it cash flowed and it worked out well. Um, and luckily that means that I've, the more I've owed them or owned them, the lower my loan to value is right now. But uh, definitely not the most secure. I mean, with, with rates changing and, and everything, it's, it's absolutely been, um, there've been some moments where I'm like, Oh, my right. cash flow is not, not where it was. And <laughs> so, right. No, yeah. absolutely, man. I think with me, like being an accountant, I, I totally understand I'm leaving a lot of money on the table by not leveraging. Uh, but I, it gives me the peace of mind. It gives me for me personally, given my financial situation is totally worth it. You know, I want to be like, I, I don't have 
any goals you have like the fanciest car or you know the fanciest watch anything like i have a pretty moderate lifestyle which you know my family and i are very happy with so the most important thing for us was just the peace of mind of you know reliable cash flow coming in and not worrying about you know if a tenant leaves uh you know if we'll be able to you know pay the mortgage for that uh, or not so yeah I, I mean that that was a very intentional about that not going for the highest number of properties but going for the highest cash flow given the properties that we had yeah so okay so as we shift gears you, you were scaling you were you moved across the country and you were trying to figure out how to make things easier for yourself when you originally had the vision for resimply and, and just essentially building yourself a system to help you close deals uh, what was that like what was your 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 vision of what it was going to become uh is it is this what what we see now uh kind of the i guess the the work that you've been working towards the whole time or has that vision evolved as you've grown but i think that vision has definitely evolved when i started out i had a very simple business right i was buying been back back then you could still buy a decent number of properties from mls but then right around 2014 15 the market started shifting i started doing more direct to seller marketing so my business was very simple i buy properties i wasn't wholesaling anything i was closing on them rehabbing them and then selling to um, retail or other investors there was no assignment i i didn't even honestly know what assignment was how it worked wholesaling you know the whole idea of assignment contract i had no idea about that mm. So the first version of Resimply was very heavily project management focused. And then the, the CRM that we had, it didn't even have a column for assigned to buyer. And then once we rolled out, a lot of our users started saying, hey, it would be cool if you added a column for assigned to buyer because that's what we do a lot of. So I had to kind of understand what assigned to buyer was, uh, you know, what assignment was, and then it kind of grew from there you know, I, I don't have a buyer's list because we're not wholesaling. So the latest update that we made to disposition, buyer's management and everything um, was done connecting with other users. I mean, now everything we're doing, it's it's grown way beyond my particular real estate investing needs. Now, a lot of things that we're rolling out are based on the feedback that our investors are using and saying, hey, it would be great if it did this, if it did that. So then we prioritize based on that. You know, a lot of the stuff that we roll out, I personally don't need that in my business because my business, I don't do wholesaling. I don't, you know, have a buyer's management website or stuff like that. But yeah, now it's very focused on what our users need. Like what's the next set of features that would solve a problem for them? Yeah, and that's been very evident. Uh, my interactions with you and your company uh, all along have been, that I, I always really liked the fact that you guys took feedback and ran with it. I mean, there's so Absolutely. much that's been built out, yep. you know, because of yeah. that feedback. Yeah. And then it's being diligent about, you know, if we have a hundred different people asking a hundred different things, then we need to go through that feedback and see, you know, what's the common thread, what are a lot of people working on, you know, if we have limited resources, what would we need to work on that will solve pain point for, a lot of people um so you know that's that's the fun part about 
you know, being kind of where we are now, just going through the data and see, okay, what should we work on next that will solve the biggest set of problems that our users are facing. Yeah. Is your, do you have a kind of a grandiose vision of where you want Resimply to be in five years, or is it more, uh, you're personally happy with where you're at and, and kind of just adapting as investors request new things? No, it's interesting that you asked that. I'm, I'm working with, um, you know, someone on kind of extracting that vision and um, looking like three, five years ahead, having that big vision, then breaking it down into, you know, yearly, quarterly, monthly, weekly goal, just to keep my focus. It gets, it gets a little bit hard at times, you know, I'm sure like you've run into that also, like once you create something and you never thought, you know, would get to the point where it is now, but you're like, wow, holy crap, this is amazing. But then you're like, all right, you know, looking back, like I could have thought much bigger than I did. And and that's kind of where I want to make sure I'm not looking, you know, five years down the road, I'm not looking back and saying, oh man, I wish I thought bigger. So that's where I'm working with someone just to kind of extract that vision out of me and make sure it's like very crystal clear. I think that's smart. Uh, one of the things that I have members of my mastermind do when they first get in there is create a, uh, you know, a three-year vision for themselves and, and then. Oh, that's such a smart and, thing to do, man. Yeah. Such a smart thing to do. Yeah. You want to start with that. So you know, kind of which direction you're going in. Um, you know, it's like going from driving from New York to Chicago, you know, you want to take the fastest route possible. You don't want to idea of going from New York to Chicago, you know, you know, you want to go there, but you don't want to go down to, Texas and then drive up to Chicago, you still end up there, but you know, it could take you, you know, few extra days. So I think what you do with your mastermind, it's super, super smart. And that's like the best way to start is have a clear vision and push yourself, you know, you test your limit and see, you know, where you could take it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you personally have a favorite feature within Resimply? Um, I think for me, it would be just how everything integrates with accounting. It's not going to be the most popular feature because it's like, you know, when you get into, sure, you know, you running a business, it's like the accounting stuff, you know, that gets like pushed to the back. It's like, oh, it's uh, like you only worry about it, you know, when it comes tax time. But for me, being an accountant, just kind of how it seamlessly integrates, that's my, I'd say that's probably my favorite feature, just being in there. And like looking at my numbers and knowing kind of what's working, what's not working on the business. Yeah. What? Wait, why are you going to call me out <laughs> like that? <laughs> I, oh, man. Yeah. I've got my assistant yeah. working. Uh, I was like, I gave her like the QuickBooks course and it was like, you're going to learn all this because it won't get done unless you do I it. I know, man. Yeah, that's that's a, like the least, you know, attractive part of a business just Generally speaking, business is like the all the administrative stuff that you have to do, but that's like the most important. Like in the long term, it's going to add the most value to the businesses. Like kind of knowing what your numbers are. Um, so yeah, it's for me that. But I would say like for most people, I would say just the fact that everything is integrated. Like they can just literally log in, buy a number, start calling. I mean, they can't keep start texting right away because of the ten DLC. But you know, it's just like how seamlessly everything integrates. Uh, that's probably the most, you know, uh, value that our users see from the platform. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Uh, one of the things, I mean, there's so much that 
this help that help you know recently did for me but I, I absolutely loved from a marketing standpoint the you know different phone numbers so it, yep. every every yep. person who calls in i know immediately do they come from a direct mail or a phone absolutely. call or uh, i thought that was huge and then you know i'll tell you the uh the drip campaigns <laughs> you know it, it's amazing how I had never used a CRM prior that I had built out correctly to actually have drip campaigns. And then I never really thought much about them until one day I got a phone call from a lady who I hadn't talked to in 15 months and didn't know any, like I couldn't remember anything about our interaction. Didn't even remember talking to her until I pulled up the notes and I had all the notes there and she'd been on a drip campaign and I was like, oh, shoot. And she owned two houses on a single parcel. We ended up making like a $23,000 spread on on wholesaling that deal. And I was like, oh, well, these are cool. Like this drip campaign right? just paid for the software for the next like decade. I know, right? Isn't that amazing? Like how such a simple thing. I mean, I just the automating the, the follow-up. The money is in the follow-up, but then for someone to remember, put notes in the calendar, if you can take all of that away, just press a button and then the system takes care of everything for yeah. you. That's that's the Absolutely beauty of true. it. Um, just like automating the follow-up without you not even knowing that the system is, you know, basically is following up for you, you know, while you're sleeping. And then when the seller is ready, you'll get a call. You just log in, see all the conversation you've had and just pick it up exactly where you left off. Yeah. Yeah, it's been super, super, super beneficial for sure. Um, what... Uh, as you're building out this company, what has what have been some of the like unforeseen challenges that you had and that and and uh, biggest lessons learned? I, I don't know anything about the developing of a software company. Hey David, sorry, you your voice cut out there. I oh. think you were asking about the some um, unforeseen challenges, and after that, you cut out. Uh, yeah, unforeseen challenges and just lessons learned along the journey through uh, building this out. I think. The one, the most relevant right now, I would say is like A to B 10 DLC. That's just been like really, really frustrating to deal with. Not just for us. I mean, it's just a like, you know, industry wide thing or just for all businesses. That was, that was, uh, that's been a challenge, like getting our users to kind of start complying with, uh, with all the regulations that, and then making a decision to switch from one carrier to another because it would be the right best long-term decision for for everyone that's using our platform. Even though in the short term, it's been painful, but just knowing that in the long term, it's going to be the best decision for, for our users that are using our platform. That, you know, with system related, but just as a, like a company wide, I would say some of the unforeseen things have been working with people in different countries, different cultures, different languages. I think that's been interesting, you know, a challenge that I'm still struggling with is how to have a culture. You know, when I'm talking to my team in India, I'm talking to them in local language, when I'm talking to other team members in different, you know, uh, different countries, different departments that we have, I'm talking to them in English. So it's like we have this divide sort of, you know, where I'm connecting with my team in India separately versus everyone else. Uh, that's that's been that's been an interesting challenge that I'm kind of like trying to figure out how mm. to best navigate that. 
Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's that's what I would say. It's kind of it's been I never anticipated that. Um, you know, but I I don't know. Like yeah, even it, this is something. Even if I the, look back, you know, the and cultural see what side of I could have done is, differently, I don't even have clear answers to to that. Like knowing I have this problem, if I could go back to the beginning, you know, what would I do differently? Is something that I, I still struggle with. Yeah. No, I mean, that makes sense. I think that's a lot of times it's like when you're first starting out, you, you know, you don't really know where you're going with it. So yeah. how are you going to know that you're making good, you know, you don't have a, that's why the vision is so important. You don't have a way to steer the ship without it. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But no, it's been, it's been fun. You know, I mean, it's the, the challenging days that make the, the good days even sweeter. You know, if like everything is going great, you're like, oh, you know, you, you you tend to start taking those for granted. You don't appreciate the good days as much you do if you have a bad day. You know, that's when you really appreciate the good day. And one thing I have to keep in mind is, you know, whether it's a good time or bad time, you know, it's not going to last forever. You know, if you have a good time, keep in mind, just be mindful of that the good times are not going to last forever. Same thing if you're going through bad times, keep in mind, you know, personal life, business life, that it's not going to last forever so just keeping that in mind like looking at a bigger picture of hey we're going through this let's take it as a learning experience and see how we can come out of this situation as a better company that can serve our users in a much uh, better and productive way i like that and yeah you guys have been absolutely crushing it um would you thank you uh, i mean i would imagine at this point resimply is your full-time gig and real estate is your side hustle is that uh, kind it's of still, accurate. Yeah, I mean, definitely I spend vast majority of my time on recently. I, I still actively flip. I do about 20 flips a year now, but it's very hands-off. I live in Carlsbad. My project manager, she lives an hour north of me in Marietta. And then my lead manager, she lives, she has been with me for about four or five years. She used to live in Philippines. She moved to Canada about six months ago. So that's, we don't have anyone local in our business, just three of us doing about, you know, 20 flips a year. Wow. And then we're all on recently. So that's where we kind of manage everything, leads, communication, everything. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was, that was the vision from the beginning that everyone on our team could be one platform, doesn't matter where they are, as long as the work is getting done. So that's been, that's been, and my bookkeeper, she's based overseas also um, managing, like doing my books on a weekly basis. So I'll just go and review the numbers. I love that you uh-huh. run such a streamlined team, you know, and 20 flips a year is not small potatoes. That's a lot of, a lot of properties going at one time and you run a very lean team through all through one CRM. And I think that's really cool. And that's a testament, yeah. I think, to what you've built where, uh, you're able to do that remotely with nobody living in the the local market via right. recently. Yeah, absolutely. I don't even I don't even know the last time I was actually in Indiana uh, <laughs> looking at my properties. I yeah, I, I don't. Even, I think in the last three or four years, I think I've only been to Indiana once. Um, so yeah, and I, I own a property management company also. So I went more to meet with my property management company more so to manage the flips. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, what's next? Uh, we have, we have another product that we're launching out for agent. 
in you know in few months um, that was that was always once we you know kind of knew that you know I mean first of all we named the company re simply because always the goal was to be more broader than just real estate investor so mm. the agent uh, product that we're launching now that should be coming out q1 uh, 2024 so excited about that we're kind of finished the development for the most part now we're just testing it out and then we'll be going live with that and then just honestly with we simply just being more getting more clarity about my vision where i want to take we simply next three to five years and then just working with everyone on the team make sure everyone on the team is aligned towards that goal they feel you know emotionally bought in i feel like okay this is you know once we reach whatever that might be the you know end of the road three five years how everyone is going to get like value out of everything that we've done yeah i love that all right so we've got a few questions that we always try to kind of roll up with but before we get there is there anything we've missed that you think is like a must tell uh either feature or or story within re simply's resimply's growth and or uh your journey Hey, David, sorry, you froze up there again. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with the internet right now. Um, I just asked if, uh, you know, before we jump into the last few questions I always have, um, are, is there anything we missed or that you think is worth highlighting as far as, uh, you know, uh, features or, or story about ReSimply or your real estate investing journey? Um, no, I mean, I, I think with... with recently or just like real estate investing in general anything in life i think we've this year has been a learning for us in terms of being very focused on what we're adding value with you know reaching out to our customers more and connecting with them at a deeper level and really understanding what their pain points are rather than you know, just in our mind thinking, hey, this is what's going to add the most value. I think that's something we need to go back to. That's what we used to do really, really well. And then that's kind of what we're going back to. Like we're sending out a survey to our users today and then really getting, you know, feedback from them on, hey, what would you like to see with this specific features that, you know, you've asked us for? Now, if someone says, hey, I'd like to see this feature be more developed, now we're reaching out, okay, what exactly would you like to see? You know, can you send us a video? Can you send a some screenshots and then, you know, reaching out to them and then making them feel like we're really listening to their feedback and we're not just taking it as, you know, all right, this is something we'll get to know. This is something we're going to prioritize based on the feedback that we get. I think that, that that's something we need to, we used to do really well, but this year we kind of just didn't prioritize that. So we're going back to that. Like that. Yeah. I really like the idea of crowdsourcing yep. ideas. I think that's man. really smart. Um, Okay, so I have this section, five questions, I call the debrief, and uh, luckily I was able to find a question in the Facebook group that actually kind of fit uh, what we've been talking about. I've really been struggling with that to the point where I'm going to change this question out eventually, but uh, right. the question was simply, at what point do you need a CRM as a real estate investor? Like, where in your journey do you think it makes sense to start utilizing something like ReSimply? Uh, if you're buying something directly from MLS, probably don't need unless you're doing high volume but if you're buying from mls 
I don't think you need a CRM really. Um, and also if you're doing a deal, you know, every six months, you probably don't need it. But once you start doing any direct to seller marketing, that's what I would say. If you're spending more than 500 to 1000 bucks, you know, per month on average in marketing, that's where you really want to make sure you have a CRM. For majority of the investors out there, marketing would be the biggest expense for them. Yeah. So you want to make sure you're getting the best ROI on your marketing. If you're spending, you know, $1,000, $500 to $1,000 a month, let's see sending direct mail to two lists. You want to know which list is working. Let's say if you're paying us 100 bucks a month for that, you might be like, oh, I'm spending 500 bucks a month. I could instead of paying 100 bucks to simply I could up that to 600 bucks. But if you look at it, if you're spending 500 bucks, let's say split it into two lists that you're mailing out to, what's gonna happen is you will realize that one list is working better for you. You'll know kind of what, you know, marketing channel is working best. And that's where a CRM does. It tells you exactly what's working. So it's not an expense, it's more like an investment. But if you're doing, you know, if once you start doing 500 to $1,000 per month marketing, direct to seller, that's where I would start looking at CRM. Anything less than that, you can probably, you know, use Google Sheets, Notepad. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I would, I would, the only thing I would add to that is that I think if your goal and or vision is to be doing 500 to 1000 plus, right. like if you're, if you are content where you're at and you don't plan on growing then whatever, but if you know you're going to be growing it and you're going to get to that point, you might as well start using the CRM ahead of time. So you don't have to transfer Absolutely. stuff and get used to it before, before you get Absolutely. a little too busy. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, the better systems you have from the beginning, the more ROI you'll see down the road, hands down. Absolutely. I agree. And I resimply is, you know, we'll definitely, we'll link down below to resimply, but it is my, my favorite, my go-to CRM for sure. Um, all right. So the rest of the questions are just kind of some, some goofy, some, you know, whatever. So the, the second question I always ask is what's the dumbest thing you've ever purchased? Oh, man, dumbest thing. Oh, that's a great question. I'm sure my wife will have a long list of those things that are dumbest things I purchased. Oh, it's funny. I was talking about this yesterday. I bought a house. It came with a Corvette. It had a Corvette in the garage, really old one. I'm not even into cars, but it just the car was like red, looked great. I paid like 6000 or 7000 for it. It was super cheap. I had it shipped from Indiana to California, and then it turns out I was going to need another 20,000 into it. Plus, I would have to deal with California, like, mm -hmm. you know, smog regulations and everything. So I ended up, like, just basically scrapping the car. That was, like, the <laughs> dumbest thing, yeah, I, yeah, that I can think of. I'm sure there's a lot, but that's the one that comes to the top of my mind. Cars, cars seem to be a, a common answer, but usually it's. Uh, yeah, I'm not. You know, I'm not even into cars. You know, that's that's the crazy thing. I'm not even into cars. I just, I just kind of got like carried away. My house is a nice looking car. I'm buying the house. Might as well buy the car. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I had a buddy who um, he bought a bunch of apartment complexes, and the owner had like a on site you know, single family that they lived in. They like built all these uh, like two or three apartment buildings behind them. And uh, the owner's husband had passed away 
and it was, you know, he'd always run the business. And so he had a, he had a workshop that he never went into and, or she never went into and she sells everything. And uh, as they're negotiating, they're doing due diligence. They find that in the workshop is an old, like 1990s, you know, gated shifter Ferrari that's just been sitting there collecting dust. And she was just like, I don't even care. Just take it with the property. Yeah. So oh wow, uh, I, I don't know if it ended up being something that he was able to get, you know, working or, or anything, but I was like, I, like, that's a pretty cool find. Yeah. Um, that is. What would you say is the smartest purchase you've ever made? Ooh. I should have anticipated this question. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I would say, like, for me, it was books, um, like reading. I, the book that comes to my mind is Dave Ramsey's book. It, it doesn't apply to me anymore, you know, it's like when I was first starting out, but the total money makeover. That kind of gave me a shift, a mind shift on how to think about money. I, I think that, that was pretty influential. And then the uh, and the book um, Millionaire Real Estate Investor kind of got me started on my journey. Um, so I would say those two those two books. Yeah, Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. That just that was that was a good, really good book. I like that you alluded to you and I clearly feel the same way about Dave Ramsey. Your, your response was, uh, you know, you've kind of grown past that, but I always tell people I'm like, man, you know, Dave is great to get you from, you know, negative to zero. And then at some point you go, okay, this isn't the way that you build wealth quickly. Right. Maybe. I mean, it's, it's right. definitely smart to be more frugal than the alternative, but yeah. Yeah. Well, my next question was going to be about, uh, books that you have read that you recommend. Uh, I think we just covered that. So if someone's listening to this show, instead of just tuning into the next podcast episode after this, if they're wanting to, you know, really better their financial situation, what do you think they should take as their next actionable step? Oh man, these are really great questions. Um, for me, honestly, like, the, I'd say most important thing would be start with a budget. You know, you can, you can create a free account on mint.com. There's like plenty of, you know, tools out there that you can link up. Just know how much money is coming in and how much money is going out. Right. And then, okay. Another really good book that I read was the richest man in Babylon. Mm. Right. Just like put 10% of your money aside. Right, just start doing that and then have the rest of the money available for spending. I think starting with the budget would be the first thing I would do if you're not doing that. Just know how much money is coming in, how much money is going out, and what it's going out to. I mean, I, I was like, when I was back in the day, you know, my wife and I, we were, we were making decent money, you know, six figures, so like 2008, 9, 10. But we like really bought into the Dave Ramsey and we would literally have envelopes for different, you know, like buckets, groceries, um, you know, and other stuff like that building household stuff and whatnot. Like we would have, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. So just because at, we wanted to have that forced discipline and it was, it was fantastic, but it started with the budget knowing, okay, we have $500 to spend on groceries, for example, for this month. This is all the money we have in the envelope. 
there's no more we have 100 bucks to spend on entertainment movies whatever you know and then we would just stick to that i, I think that gave us a good foundation moving forward as our income went up that we kind of still had those you know discipline mindset yeah that's a great answer i i need to I've been telling myself I should probably go back and revisit the envelopes a little bit because um, I, I uh, you know, as the business grows, I've, I've definitely been uh, at least a little bit guilty of, of lifestyle creep with, with eating out and, and things like that. Absolutely. I definitely haven't gone uh, too overboard, but uh, it would be sometimes I'm like, man, you know, if I just went back to this, I'd imagine how much money yeah. I'd be able to save and invest. Right. So The only thing I didn't like about the envelope system were the coins all the change that you would get. <laughs> I, uh, I just had like a big vat that I just throw them in. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'll go, you know, and yeah. then of course I go to Walmart with this massive thing and I come out with like 70 bucks worth of. Oh yeah. Orders. I used to do that. Yep. You, you go to that <laughs> coin machine, put all your pennies, quarters and everything. It would just give you like a Walmart, you know, gift card or something that you could just use. I used to love that. Yeah. Yeah. And inevitably I find some coin from some other country in there. So I'll yeah. throw it through like two or three times and realize it's not even us currency. No, it doesn't. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So where can people find you if they'd like to link up with you or, and, or, uh, you know, resimply? Yeah. So I'm, I'm not on Instagram or any social media platform. I mean, I do have a Facebook account, but I pretty much use it for our, you know, Facebook community that we have, but the best would be email. My first name, Sharad at R-E-S-I-M-P-L-I.com. That would be the best way to get in touch with me. Uh, I, I still check my emails. I reply to my emails. Uh, so yeah, that would be the best way. And then of course, if they want to learn more about Resimply, they can go to R-E-S-I-M-P-L-I.com. Which we will absolutely link yep. down below in the show notes and uh, be pointing people towards as I, as I always do for a CRM. So. Well, that's great. Sharad, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, thank you, David, for having me on this. Is, you've, you've asked some really, really great questions. Took me back to my, you know, back to my accounting slash personal finance day. So, yeah, great, great interview. Well, good. I appreciate you.